Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Verse 25, you'll find these words. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He would say, just a couple, couple sentences later, he would say, even though a person die, yet shall they live. Wow. The word resurrection, we're talking about dead, dead coming to life. We think of the term resurrection. The word resurrection, it means the revitalization or the revival of something. You know why we, we love spring? How many of you guys are spring lovers? Dude, look. Look around here. Huh? Now we're all on the same page. I know Todd gave me a hard time a couple weeks ago about, li- about disliking winter, but we're, all, we're pretty much all on the same page on spring. You know why? Because we're tired of stuff being dead, and we like seeing things come to life. We like to see, to see revitalization happen and renewal happen. And right now, we're in the middle of that in a, in a physical sense, but God is, is wanting to do that in us at a spiritual level, at a life level, at a relational level. He's wanting to bring, bring new life to us. In the book of Ezekiel, you'll find a place, a valley, where there's no hope. None. There's not only no hope, there's no life. There's nothing but death and destruction. And so this morning, we're going to read a a significant piece of Scripture, which I normally don't take humongous hunks and read them, but we're going to read it so we get the impact of what's going on. Starting in verse 1, you'll find these words. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man... Can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. So I spoke this message, he says, just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. The skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds of the, the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke that message as he commanded me, and breath came in their bodies, and they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the whole people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, 
prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you. You will live again and return to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, Ezekiel says, the Lord has spoken. prophet finds himself wandering around following God and he ends up in a very ugly dry, dead decaying place the plan of God the will of God, the heart of God led Ezekiel there now for some of us that's hard to digest because we believe that if we're following Jesus everything's just supposed to work out I should be in a place of life I should be in a place of hope. I should be in a place of this. And God's plan, God's heart takes Ezekiel, I'll call him Zeke, takes Zeke right to the valley of death. Can I say something to you? Life ain't all about you. And God may at times create a circumstance that takes you to an ugly, dry, dead, decaying place. You know why? Because he intends to do business down there. And he needs somebody packing his spirit, packing his life, packing his hope, packing his truth, packing his grace, packing in obedience to him down into that valley so life can come again. Ezekiel did not, did not belong there. He did nothing to... on on purpose or intentionally that caused him to be in a state of death, but God's plan required him to be there. We have a hard time digesting that. Christian, listen to me. Just because you're following Christ doesn't mean everything's going to come up roses. And if you've been sold that bill of sale to become a Christian and and bow your knee sometime, I'm sorry, somebody lied to you. That That is not how it goes. Jesus says if a person would follow me, he must take up his cross. Walk right towards death and follow me. The Bible says when Jesus started his ministry, the Spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness. Why? Because God intended to bring life to that which was dead. And it walked right through that wilderness. Today, some of you are facing very ugly, difficult things, and you're like, why am I here? I didn't do anything. Why am I dealing with this? You know why? Because God needs a, his image bearer somewhere in the middle of that death and de- de- deadness and decayingness. Is that even a word? I don't even know. He needs somebody who will speak his heart, who will speak his love, who will speak his truth right there in that darkness, right there in that deadness. Can I say something to you? Stop cursing the darkness and the deadness and just bring life to it. Would you do that? Will you just speak God's word? We just speak like God says speak. Now the, now the bones, they're a whole other story. The bones are a whole other deal. They're there. Zeke was there because of supernatural intervention. The bones are there. The people of Israel are there. You know why? Natural consequence to their lifestyle and their actions. Whole different ballgame. I know those aren't popular terms. We don't like to think about the idea of sowing and reaping. We don't like the, the idea of consequence. We don't like the idea of sin and judgment and all that stuff. But it's all part of the story, y'all. It's all, it's all part of it. We do things, and the things we do have consequences. We act certain ways, and certain things result. 
We say certain things and certain things happen. We act dumb and other things happen to us. If I could be really honest, I've been dumb a lot this week. Anybody with me? Huh? I've been weak on several occasions this week. Anybody with me on that? Huh? All of us, if we choose to, 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 to keep doing what we're doing, we will end up in a place of death. Now, now listen, for some of us, you guys know what this represents, right? Anybody know what one of these are? I can't tell you where I got it from. Because the person who let me borrow it thought it was bad taste to have a casket in a church on a Sunday morning. So don't ask me, because I can't tell you. All right? But inside this casket resides death. But that body that ends up in there, most of them didn't end up there overnight. They ended up there because they made certain choices. They ended up there because certain things took place. They ended up there because some, something. And these, the nation of Israel, did you read that in verse 11? What did that say? We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. What leads us to that valley? What leads us down in that place where things happen? Well, there's all sorts of things. For some of us, it's things like resentment and bitterness. Something doesn't go our way. Somebody makes us mad. Somebody makes a decision. Somebody, somebody says bad things about us. Something goes on, and there's this thing that starts to, to, to allow death to reside on the inside of us. We hang on to things that turns into like an emotional and a spiritual cancer. And it grows and it grows and it grows until finally it wastes us away. It happens in our homes. Husbands say things to wives. Wives say things to husbands. They hang on to it. And you know what happens? Death grows until it wastes away whatever life was there. Resentment ends up in this casket, puts us in a casket. What else puts us there? expectations and words of other people. We try and live up to something we can't live up to. People say certain things to us or about us, and we let those things be like seeds that are planted. And you know what happens? It grows. And when it grows, it's like cancer. It gives way to despair. It gives way to discouragement. It gives way to frustration because I can't be what they need for me to be because I can't do what they want me to do because they said this and they did that. All that, it just starts to eat away and it throws us into, into, the, into, the, into the, the dead zone. Sometimes it's something as simple. How much of you agreed that you were stupid this week like me? There's a remedy for that. In the book of James... God says this, if any person finds himself in a bad circumstance, let him ask for wisdom of me, and I'll give to them liberally. You know why sometimes we end up in a place of death? Because we're just, we just lack wisdom. God puts certain things in his word on purpose. He says, do things certain ways, and things will go like they need to go. But if you choose your own path, and you just want to do your own thing, and you want to act unwise, there are ramifications of, of not being wise, un, unwisdom. Right? That ends us up in a place of being in a, in, a, in a dead zone. How about this one? Fear and worry. Anybody having that one this week? How's tomorrow going to go? What's going to happen? Is Putin going to really invade Ukraine? I mean, are they going to find that plane? What's going to happen with the economy? I mean, who's going to get elected in 2016? What's going to go with Obamacare? Blah, blah, blah. And we start going in that rain. And on the inside, we start dying. Because fear takes the life right out of faith. Worry 
takes the heart right out of a person. And it takes us to a place where we, we end up in a place of fear. And we know there's 365 references to not fearing. Did you know that? In the scripture? One for every stinking day. Wow. How about this one? Selfishness. You want to end up in a place of death? Do everything you do. Think life is all about you. What you need, what you want. Selfishness will take you to a place of death. I'm getting pretty good at that. How about this one? Others' actions. Sometimes other people lack wisdom. They get into a car. They've been drinking too much. They drive down the road, and suddenly it comes knocking at your door. And that's just the sad circumstance of being a human on this corrupt, messed up, sinful planet. It seems random, like there's no rhyme or reason to it. But you know what? If we dwell on that, you know what happens? We dwell on what other people did or what other people said or whatever, how, how we got treated or what happened. We end up right here. How about this one? Self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is the, is, is the same, is, is close to selfishness, but this, self-centeredness is this. Everybody else ought to be all about me too. I'm the center of the universe. The solar system rotates around me. What I want, how I want it, when I want it. Huh? You want to die real quick? Make it all about you. You want to, you want to waste away and decay? Just make you the center of the universe. You'll find how fast things decay really quick. How about, how about, how about this one? How about tragedy? Sometimes it's, nobody, sometimes it's no, no direct person's fault. It's just a part of being on this life. Two earthquakes happened this week in, 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 in the United States. That a mudslide. You know, just, just random weirdness, you know what I mean? This creation is groaning, and tragedy happens. And you know what? If you dwell on it and camp out there, you will die too. You will. It's a part of life. I can't stay there. I can't stay at that graveside. I can't stay at that tragedy. I can't stay in that nursing home. I can't stay in that, in that thing. How about this one? Financial stress. You know what happens with financial stress? We're more concerned about this life than we are the next. And we start getting anxious about whether I'm going to be able to put gas in the boat. Okay. I got an 85-foot camper. I can't pay the bills on. All of a sudden, we start stressing out. And I'm like, dude, why would you buy the camper for in the first place? Simple math tells you you couldn't afford it, but you just had to have it. Financial stress. Now, I'm making life, I, I recognize some people are under real financial stress. Like, you don't know when the next meal's coming or where it's coming from. Are you hearing me? That's the real world, man. More and more, the, more, and more these days. Man, I, we got to work at Hope Clinic. When was that, Monday? Man, that's been a long week. On a not, on a, not on, a, on, a, on, a, on an off week, not a holiday weekend, we had over 200 people come through the mobile market at the Hope Clinic on Monday night. Nearly 600 particular individual lives getting food because they didn't know where the next one was coming from. Now, I get it. I'm not trying to be unfeeling. Get, listen to what I'm saying. But listen, if I camp out around stress and worry and fear, 
It'll bring death to my soul. It'll bring death to my heart. It'll bring death to my life. It will bring death to my relationships. Some of you families are under financial stress, and it's destroying what, what, what used to be a beautiful relationship between a husband and a wife or parents and their children. Because you're letting things that aren't that, things that will pass away, get in, the, get in front of things that are really important. How about, oh, man, I might save that one. This one, how about this one? For followers of Christ. Sometimes you don't want to really want to know what God says. You just want to do your own thing. Sometimes you don't set your life up on the priority he said are really important. And so you, you begin to, to, to deal with the consequences of not seeking first the kingdom of God. Because Jesus said, if you seek first my kingdom, all the other things that you have need of will be added unto you. And you're trying to seek your own kingdom, and God's like, dude, hey, hang on just a second. And you start... You start just merely existing, not really being alive, decaying. Now, this one is probably the least popular of all of them. And it's only three letters long. And they're big, bold, black letters on purpose. S-I-N. You won't hear that in some churches these days. But the Bible is still the Bible. The word of God is still true. The wages of sin is death. What is sin? Sin is this. God says there are definitely certain things you don't do. And you choose to do them anyway. I don't care what Miley Cyrus or Justin Bieber have to say about it. Sex outside of marriage is still wrong. Sin. But here's the other thing. There's a, there's a flip side of the sin coin. The Bible says to know to do good and to not do it, that's this. Some of you have been running from God. You know he wants you to do something for the benefit of someone else. You know he wants you to offer forgiveness. You know he wants you to get involved in something, and you keep saying no. That's sin. And you keep running you will end up like Jonah in the belly of a fish where things are dead and decaying and smelly. It's, it's ugly, I know. But listen, winter can be ugly. But spring's coming. Spring's coming. I don't care if you guys like snow or not. This will put us in the coffin. Now listen, I'm glad that's not the end of the story. The story's not over yet. You guys are like, dude, this guy's preaching hard, and man, well, what the heck is going on? Well, we ain't done yet. Divine intervention brings Zeke into the story. Natural consequences bring Israel there. But here's the deal. He's not done yet. God looks at the prophet, and he says, Zeke, can these still live? And he's looking at you. Have you lost hope? Is it over? Is the thing done? Can it ever be restored? Can it ever be fixed? Can life be ever put back together? And you're like, dude, I have no idea. Right now, I, 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 I can't see it. Because that's where Zeke's at. He's like, dude, I, I don't know, really. God, I'd like, I'd like, I mean, I, and he, go, he, he says, God, only you know. Only you. Zeke recognized something that's, that's plastered throughout that, 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 that piece of Scripture. Over and over again, in that, in that piece in Ezekiel, it says, O sovereign Lord, 
You know what that means? It means he rules and reigns over top of it. It means that last song we just sang, he is high and lifted up above it. It means that Zeke knows there's, there's, there's someone watching out for him who is with him, who, who, who can do things no one else can do. He says, God, I just submit to you. Whatever you want, I'll do. See, it wasn't, Zeke knew there was nothing good inside of himself. He knew all the good, all the power, all the necessity, all the strength, all the wisdom, all the love, all the truth did not reside in him. It resided in God. But God, the funny thing about God is he chooses to partner with the human race. I still don't get it. But I'm glad he does. He realized that God made it evident that Zeke's obedience would be the tool by which he would raise this deadness back to life. It was, it was Zeke's obedience that would, that would lead him right there. And here's the big point. God had plans that would spite the people's failure. God had plans that would spite their weakness. God had plans that would spite their sin. He would take their brokenness and he would put them back together again. And they almost couldn't believe it would happen. Or they said, all hope is gone. Remember that? Here's what I found in commentary. Most Israelites may have doubted God's promise of restoration. Their present condition militated against the possibility of, be, of that being fulfilled. So God stressed the fact of his sovereign power and ability to carry out these remarkable promises. Their fulfillment depended on him, not on them or their circumstances. That's so stinking awesome. Where are you right now that you dug a ditch and ended up in the hole? Where are you right now that you, you, have, you have done some things or, or been some things or suffered some things that you feel like, man, I just can't get out of it. I can't get over it. I can't get past it. I can't get around it. I am, I am messing. Your circumstance has no bearing on God's ability or his desire to turn it around. You can't dig a hole that deep. You can't make a big enough mess. You can't create a enough harm that his healing can't be extended into it. And he, 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 he rules and reigns over it. Listen, he looks at Zeke and he says, I want you to speak something. And when Zeke begins to speak, things change. You know what happens with us? Things start going on and we start speaking. But we ain't listening to him. We speak out of hurt. We speak out of frustration. We speak out of anger. We speak out of denial. We speak out of all sorts of things. But when God calls Ezekiel to speak, he says, I got something specific I want to say. Speak for me. Speak by my word. Speak with my heart. The coolest thing about this story is that when God's people speak God's truth with God's heart, Life and hope come. When God's people, listen, listen, listen. When God's people speak God's truth with God's heart, that's when resurrection happens. That's when life comes to death and decay. That's when hope comes to hopelessness. That's when frustration has to give way to, to fierce faith. That place. This morning, I don't know what, what difficulty, what death, what decaying, what dusty, dirty, 
deadness you've had to contend with this week or this month or this year or this decade or whatever it might be. Listen, God right now is saying, listen, I'm speaking over that. I'm breathing over your heart. I'm breathing over your mind. I am speaking over your life, over your brokenness, over your hurt, over your damage. He's, he's right now going, I have got this. Can these bones live? And his, his answer is an emphatic, yes, they can live. In fact, I want them to live. I want them to live. Psalm 23 is a beautiful piece of scripture, and it, it, it's read often at funerals. I'm often requested to, to, to offer it when I'm standing in places near things like this. Verse Verse 3, I think, verse 4, says this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know why? Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You're my dad. You offer me a loving embrace at some point and a loving correction at others. And if I'm in the middle of something, I'm going to grow through it. And you're going to be right there on the other side. In the book of Hosea, you'll find a, find a piece of scripture about the valley of trouble. It's a little background for you. God uses this prophet Hosea to show how intensely he loves his people. He, he makes, you don't talk about being led to the valley of death, man. God tells, God tells his prophet, marry a harlot and just hang with her. No matter how many times she runs out on you, no matter how many times she leaves the house, no matter how many other guys she gets involved in this scenario, you just stay right there. Dude, how many of y'all want to sign up for that gig? Anybody on that? Hmm? We'll have a sign-up sheet at the back door, and we'll start a new ministry. Moses was like, no way, Jesus, I'm not going there. But God uses Hosea to be that, to, to, to show what his character is like. We can, do what we, we can do what we think we want to do. And it will breathe death and destruction, but he's never going to leave. He's going to be there to resurrect. There's a promise in Hosea chapter 2. It goes like this. But, but then I will win her back once again. He's, he's talking to Hosea, and he said, just like you've had to do with your wife, because she's running around, I'm going to take the people of it. I'm going to take my people, my covenant people. I'm going I'm, I'm to win them back again. I'm going to win her back again. I will lead her into the desert, which is like, just like that valley we, that, that God led Zeke into. And I will speak, listen to those words, I will speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble to a gateway of hope. Can I give you some background on the valley of trouble? It's an allusion back to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, God tells the children of Israel, go take the land. He gives them instructions. And some guy, unwisely, chooses to not follow the instructions. He said, we're going to take the first city. Everything we take in that city, all the spoils we take in that city belong to me, God said. That's mine. And one dude was selfish and self-centered. One dude decided it was all about him, not about anybody else. He snatches up some stuff that would not belong to him, buries him in his tent, and thinks everything's cool. They go to fight the next battle over, a ba- over an enemy they should have defeated easily. There's death and destruction that ensues in the battle. People are trying to make sense of it. And God says, the reason is because somebody wants to live life their way. Whenever we choose to live life our way, death and destruction are in the wake. 
Whenever we choose that we're just going to do it our way and forget God and get on down the road, death and destruction are in the wake. Bank on it. And that doesn't necessarily mean physical death, but it does mean emotional. It does mean spiritual. It does mean relational at times. It does mean financial. There's all kinds of realms where death just overtakes our lives. He says, listen. And in that valley of Achor is the valley of trouble. That's where they exposed what the sin was. And not only did they, they suffer defeat at the hands of the enemy, there's a whole family that's destroyed because of one dude's actions. And that's the valley of trouble he's talking about. But he says, listen, your problems aren't so big, I can't reverse them. The death and destruction in the wake of your life and in that valley where you reside, th- th- there is nothing so big about your problem that I, who am bigger than that, can't fix it. I will give you the valley of trouble and I will turn it into a gateway for hope. No matter where you are this morning, God is quite capable. You have not made too big of a mess. You haven't destroyed too much stuff. You haven't destroyed too many relationships. You haven't messed up that he can't reach you. Isaiah 58 says the arm of the Lord is not shortened that it cannot save. No matter where we reach, God still has enough power to reach towards us. No matter where we go, he still has enough love to get where we are. No matter what happens, he still has the grace and the love and the truth and the power to turn the whole thing around. If we'll but follow him as we walk through that valley of trouble, God will spring a doorway on the other side of it that says there's a gateway to hope, man. There's a gateway for you. God wanted to overcome that death and create a place for hope to grow. In the New Testament, there's a similar story. Jesus dies. His disciples are left distraught, and they did all kinds of stupid stuff. They fled on him. They denied him. One betrayed him. I'm not going to list it. Just all kinds of human conflict, garbage stuff happens right to Jesus. And, of course, he utters words from a cross. And we're supposed to, what we speak matters. Jesus looks up to heaven to the Father and goes, Father, forgive him. Give all of them. They don't know what they're doing. There's a lesson in that for us. And Jesus could have said, God, get them. Jesus goes, forgive them. He starts speaking life at the point of his own death. They've walked through this moment, this valley of death. And they find themselves hibernating, literally hibernating away from the world, not knowing what's going to happen next. And Jesus appears to them. John 20, in a resurrected form, man. He's alive after they've stood at the cross. He's alive after they've stood at the tomb. He's alive standing in the middle of them. And he says these words, listen to this. Peace be with you. Y'all ain't made too big of a mess. I still got it. You guys haven't messed up too greatly. I still got it. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Some of you are going to end up in very same kind of valleys of trouble, of death, of decay. But I'm going to use you to bring life. He said, the Bible says he breathed on them just like in Ezekiel. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible would tell us that they would go to change the world. They end up all kinds of valleys of trouble and distress, but they just kept trucking with Jesus. And what he tells them, he said, whatever you forgive... I'll forgive. A 
again, using our obedience to bring life. He says, if you choose not to forgive, there's death in that way. Because wherever you don't forgive, I won't either. That's strong, man. But I think he was talking to us. Because there's a place where he's talking about prayer. And he says, if you don't forgive, your father won't even listen to you. Today, you might find, feel like you're in the valley of trouble. You might feel like you've made a waste of things, or the tragedy has struck, disease has come, that, 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 that you don't even deserve to be here, or whatever the case. You may find yourself just surrounded by death and decay. This morning, God wants to breathe life. He wants to speak hope back over wherever you are whatever valley you're in, even if it's a graveyard. been said that one of the wealthiest places on the entire planet is a cemetery or a graveyard. The reason that is is because there's untapped potential to place dead, buried in a coffin, sealed in a vault. There are dreams that have been left undone. There have been hopes that have never been fulfilled. And there are things that have, that have overcome the life of men. They're, they lay dormant in the ground. Can I ask you a question? What about your life has lost its hope? What part of you has ceased its function? What part of your, your, your focus has lost its ability to dream? What part of you has stopped really living? You see, because there's this guy, and he's walking through life. There's this man, he's walking through the graveyards of our lives. His name is Hope. His name is Jesus. And he tells us that he will breathe life into our brokenness. He'll breathe healing into our hurt. He will take everything that's broken down and he will put it back together. He tells us that where we've lost all hope, he'll give us hopeless. He'll give us hope. One day these physical bodies will be have life breathed back into them by him. But today, he wants to breathe life back into our existence. He wants to breathe life back into our hopes. He wants to breathe life back into our dreams. Can you imagine what that will be like? That one day these physical bodies will come raising up out of the ground. Can you imagine the stories they would have to say about what they know about God and about life and about eternity? They, it would change how everybody sees this life and the life to come. Look, at, look around. Look around. Can you imagine? Imagine with me as we walk through here. What would it be like if this army was suddenly raised up to speak of the God who created them? Imagine what that would be like. Now imagine for just a second that we're that army God's breathing life into. Can you imagine the difference in our nation, the difference in our community, the difference in our world? 
because we allow him to breathe life into us and we in turn speak life into people, breathe hope into people. Can you imagine what the world would be like if there were an army of people who had seen the resurrection power of Christ at work in their lives and the dead had come to life in them? Let's walk and you can imagine with me what that would be like. Imagine these coming back to life because of the power of Christ. Everybody needs a little His name is hope. Everybody needs a little His name is hope. Everybody wants a little one thing I know, a lot of people don't have a a vivid imagination like I do. And so maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, dude, I have a hard time picturing that. Dead things coming to life. Would you like to see some flesh put on that? Would you like to see a, a life that has absolutely had the power of God breathed into it when it looked like hope was gone. That hope, there were, it was no place to be found. That it was dead and decaying and dying. Would you like to see that? Let's walk over here to our life screen here. Jason and Tanya Andrews. I remember going to their house and dropping off food baskets because they didn't know where meals were going to come from. I remember phone calls about difficulty they were having with life, with each other, with family. I remember praying for, for, for Jason as he was dealing with disability and, and waiting for checks to come in or not come in or government to decide what was going to happen. And I remember despair and depression. I remember Weeping phone calls. And I've watched God take something that seemed hopeless and turn it around. Tanya just told me a couple weeks ago while she was standing back in this hallway back here. And she said, Aaron, we didn't know a few years ago we were going to get another meal. Today, the only debt they have is a car loan. I remember when they didn't know if their marriage was going to make it. And I know that today, having talked to them and watched some things go on, that today it's stronger now than it's ever been. I've watched a bunch of those things I threw in that, in that thing kind of overtake their life. And I've watched Jesus bring it back to life. Is that cool or what? Huh? Here's the deal. You're no different than them. God doesn't love the Andrews more than he loves you. He loves you just like he loves them. And what he did for them, he will do for you. If you'll follow him through the valley, let him kick a gateway open to hope on the other side of it. If you'll you'll start speaking what he tells you to speak and not what you want to. You'll start breathing life over something instead of breathing despair and, and gloom and agony. Listen, 
He's quite capable. Is he? Huh? Woo! So here's the deal. You need hope this morning? Jesus has it. You're in a place of death and decay? Jesus has got life. You're in a place of lostness? He's got truth. You're in a place of of messing things up? He's got grace. He's extended to you right now. Would you stand with me for a minute? If you'd be so bold to say, dude, I'm... I'm probably, in a, I'm probably in a valley right now. I want to pray. We're going we're gonna to pray. And I want you to do something. We talked about a song about raising our hands and where we stand and all that stuff. Remember that minute ago? And surrender. As I pray, would you just reach towards Jesus and say, God, if you can get me through this valley, I'll, just, I'll run with you. You can take what's dead in me and raise it to life. I want it. Father, look in this room right now, Jesus. And God, we, we, we suffer in places of death and decay. God, we, we make bad decisions and sometimes other people make bad decisions and sometimes we don't know what's end up and don't know how we got in there, but here we are. And God, right now, I pray you'd breathe life and hope and strength. God, where there's, where there's, where there's this depression and despair, God, replace it with hope and life. Lord, I pray, God, if there's one here who doesn't know you yet, That today would be the day they would realize they're dead in their trespasses and sins. But you stand at the doorway of hope and say, come, I'll give you life. And God, if they confess you as Lord and Savior, today the the, the whole game changes. And God, resurrection takes over in their life and their heart. And God, I pray that today you would be that. You would do that for them. And God, as, 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 as Ezekiel spoke, God, I speak to these bones and tell them to live. And I breathe on these bones and pray the life of God overtakes them. I pray, God, the hole that they dug would be filled with your life and your grace. And I pray, God, where they hurt and where they're, 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 not, they're not well, maybe physically, God, you would overtake that as well. And you'd bring strength. God, where their families are hurting, right now bring hope and strength.